0: Welcome to Writer's Digest Presents. Hosted by the editors of Writer's Digest, this monthly podcast features conversations with writing and publishing experts whose insights will help ignite your creative vision, hone your skills, build your platform, and get your work out into the world. Welcome back to Writer's Digest Presents. I'm Editor-in-Chief Amy Jones, here with Senior Editor Robert Lee Brewer, Managing Editor Mariah Richard, and Editor Michael Woodson. For the WD team, March marks the beginning of spring, beginning new life after a very cold winter. That's why we decided to focus on debut authors for this episode. They're the writers who are venturing into a new part of their writing life. After a chat among the editors of WD, Mariah will facilitate a roundtable discussion with three incredible debut authors that we've recently featured in our Breaking In column. But before that, we would like to chat a little bit about debut authors and books we love. Hey, everyone! Hello, hi, hi. It's nice and cold here, even though we're uh, this episode <laughs> ends in airs in March. Um, we're in the middle of a nice ice storm, so I have little ice balls hitting my window. Hope no one can hear it.
1: <laughs> Same.
0: Mm-hmm. Um. Well, so as we talk about debut books, I guess my first question is, do you all read a lot of debut authors and debut books?
1: I love actually reading debut books. I made like a habit of doing it a couple of years ago. If a book was coming out that I really was interested in and it wasn't the author's first book, I would go and read their first book uh, first or whatever, like in order as much as I could. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, I just loved watching like their um, career in that way, and like following it as best I could in that way. And then that sort of catapulted me into just like um, looking for debut novels as often as I could.
0: Oh, that's really interesting. Um, it's funny. I think I um, when I I will see a book that I think looks interesting and I will pick it up and I will read it. And if it is not their first book, then, but I love it. Then I will go back and start at the beginning and read all yeah. of the way through. But I've also been actively trying to read more debut authors um, in the past, I would say uh, five or six years. It used to not be a thing I would pay any attention to, but now I yeah. I love finding Debut books that just kind of astound me and um, don't feel like they're debut books. And there are so many like that right now. Um, It feels like we're in a really great era for a debut novelist in particular, which is like my interest.
2: I don't seek out debuts. Um, I tend to just read books that um, I have a lot of friends who really know the things that I like to read, and they will send things to me, hey, you got to check this out, this seems like something you would really enjoy, um, and I, I never really paid attention to whether or not, as a reader, what I was picking up uh, was a debut, but I would, if I really liked something I read, I would go and see if they'd um, written anything else, and if they hadn't, I always, like, Put a little mental note on their name to just keep an eye out because i know if i loved your first book that much whatever's coming next i automatically want to read that
3: yeah, yeah and I, I think that's how i used to read was more of like discovering the author and then once i discovered the author that i really liked like just diving into that author's entire body of work and you reading everything that they've written that I can find. And, um, now it's more, uh, I don't know if this is just age or, um, just, uh, for, for anyone who doesn't know, I've got five kids. Um, that kind of takes up some time. So like now it's more, uh, uh, things really have to be like kind of referred to me. And then, uh, I, I find myself, especially since the pandemic, uh, rereading things more frequently and, uh, kind of getting that comfort read where it's, it's less about discovery at the moment. It's just like, I want Mm -hmm. something to sit down with that. I know I like, and I know I've been to before and, uh, re-experiencing it. And, um, as I'm starting to break out of the pandemic, I do find myself thinking, you know, I want to start finding these new voices. And, uh, you know, even with my own writing, like find that I'm starting to break loose a little bit and um, wanting to take some more risks with my writing that maybe over the past like year or two, it's just been more like keep my head above water type stuff.
4: So you
0: mentioned books have to be like referred to you, because you're very busy, and Mariah also mentioned that friends recommend books. Um, What are some of the other ways that you find or seek out debut authors?
3: Okay, I'll go first. Um, For me, it's, uh, as as I mentioned with the kids, like, we all, you know, the bookstores get excited when they see us roll up to the bookstore, (laughs) uh, (laughs) because... We will uh, all just go in, go to our different areas of the bookstore, and, and just uh, start browsing. And we always walk a- away with plenty of stuff. <laughs> so even though we've got way more than enough books to uh, last us, um, if we were ever to get snowed in for like an entire year, we would... With no electricity we still be able to entertain ourselves with everything we can read um, so <laughs> uh, so you know just just browsing for us definitely works but uh, referrals um, are always always nice and appreciated and uh, you know well thankfully we have lots of reader friends to to keep those going
1: yeah mm-hmm.
2: i like to um... I have a few book bloggers that I follow pretty uh, pretty seriously, and I always like the things that they recommend, so I always keep tabs on what they're reading, but um, another avenue that I've discovered fairly recently, uh, I'm still pretty new to Twitter, I think I've only had it about like a, a year now, but I have started to follow my favorite authors on social media, and many of them talk about books that are coming out that they're excited about. So I have found so many debut authors that way, um, just because, again, it's Mm -hmm. if you if I love what you write, and this is what you love to read, I'm probably going to love it as well. So I always like to give those ones a try.
1: I get a lot of mine from social to Mariah and uh, a lot of it's from like like, sort of bookstagram influencers, what they're reading. And, and a lot of times what happens though, is that all of them are all reading like the same one book because it's very Mm -hmm. popular at the moment. So then I'll go and see like on Goodreads or, or bookshop like related titles and what other people are reading who also read that, which helps, but Robert, to your point, I love going into the bookstore and just like letting them lead me to something and, and what they're um, interested in, too. is a really fun way to uh, find a new book. Yeah,
3: and I, I should also mention, uh, all of us have this really cool job where we interact with writers a lot <laughs> and publicists a lot. And uh, I would be remiss to not mention that uh, I've got a long list of things that I want to read just through that and um the different author spotlights that we have (laughs) Mm and uh any time that i'm going through and editing that's those different interviews and uh i'm just always amazed at uh all the great work that's coming out from authors who've been around for a while but also all the debut authors that uh, come across our our desks
1: yeah and how i think amy you said this at the beginning but like how unique all of them are still like every time Robert when I'm also doing a spotlight I read the synopsis and I'm just like how <laughs> do they think of this like there are so many good ideas that are still being um uh uh written and um like chances taken on them by being published it's really exciting
0: it is um you're right Robert the author spotlights um on our website are That's how I hear about some of the debut books, too. Um, One of my other favorite places to learn about debut authors is Book of the Month Club. I Mm -hmm. joined that a few years ago, and there was a book that I was interested in. I had heard about it somewhere, and it was going to be an early release on Book of the Month Clubs, but only if if you were a member. So I signed up so that I could um and this was before working at writer's digest so i was really excited about the idea of getting a book early um and so i signed up and ever like i it's been years i haven't been able to cancel my membership because they consistently make an effort at spotlighting and including debut authors in Mm. their picks whether it's a main book of the month pick or if it's um, one of the add-ons that you can um, pop in your box as a little bonus read. But they, they do a, a really great job of picking debuts that are a lot of them I haven't heard of um, mm-hmm. by way of my job, which is kind of exciting because it's a whole other um, collection of books that I hadn't heard about otherwise.
1: Amy, do you remember what the book was?
0: It was called golden child by Claire Adam. Yeah. And it was, it was like you said, Michael, just a a concept, an idea that I hadn't heard of before. And it seemed really interesting and I was very excited to get my hands on it. Um, and it was by an imprint whose books I also really liked. So I knew that they, um, you know, it would be in the vein of something that I would enjoy.
3: Yeah. So, so I do this with poetry a lot, but, um, with like fiction and nonfiction, uh, do any of you, uh, Amy just mentioned it, do any of you like kind of follow certain presses that are like your favorite kind of press? I I know I used to do that with music all the time. There'd be like a record label that anything came out from there, I would just sometimes buy it without even hearing the band because I would be like, I I trust them to uh, curate good artists.
2: I have a subscription to Locus Magazine. Um, So they do a lot of, like, horror, sci-fi, fantasy, um, and they always have really great articles by authors that are familiar to me and who I love. Um, And then I also um, pretty closely follow Tor, and they have a free newsletter that I get sent to me that I can always, like, keep an eye on it. And generally, um, if something's getting a lot of attention, it'll appear in in many of the newsletters that I follow and then I'm Mm -hmm. like well that one's gonna go on the want to read list on Mm -hmm. Goodreads
1: (laughs) um I have a I'm subscribed to Electric Lit and they have a lot of Mm -hmm. um so many of their short stories are so compelling that I will go and just see if that author has anything else um going on short like short story or novels but I also – I just love um, Tin House mm-hmm. Press, Tin House, mm-hmm. and um, Coffee House Press. A, a book that I will mention later is from Coffee House Press that was just like – it blew my mind. It was one of the coolest books I'd ever read.
0: Cool. So we've kind of strayed away from the debut topic. Um, but since we're talking about books that we like and imprints that we like, what are what are some debut books or authors that just – absolutely blew you away, um, where you were just sort of stunned to learn that it was um, a debut if you didn't know it before. I have two that come to mind immediately. Well, then you go. Okay. Um, One is... (laughs) You know the you're prof- a co-host, right? <laughs> I know, <laughs> not just the question asker. <laughs> um, I really loved The Prophets by Robert Jones Jr. Okay, thank Jones, God you saying this
1: because I was. If you weren't going to say this, it was going to be one of mine.
0: I thought maybe it would be because <laughs> yeah. I feel like we talked about it before about how much we too much yeah loved it. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> to the point where I emailed his publicist. To tell him how tell her how much I loved the book and like if he ever wants to write anything for Writers Digest, please let me know because I will read anything (laughs) that he that he writes. Um, But I was stunned to learn that it was a debut. It was one of those books where um, the writing like that just at a sentence level, even beyond the story, the sentence sentences were so beautiful. Um I remember it was spring or summer and I was sitting out on my front porch on the swing reading and I would just stop and reread sentences mm. over and over again because they were gorgeous. Um they were beautifully written sentences and they um you know it, the book covers some challenging topics. Um so it's not necessarily a feel good book but My goodness, was it beautiful. Have
1: you, Robert or Mariah, have either of you read it? Sorry, not to like put you on blast here.
3: But when this episode and some of the questions were put out there, I was thinking, I wish I'd read that Prophets book because everyone talks about the Prophets book being so good and uh, (laughs) such an exceptional debut. Um, So I haven't read it. But it's definitely on that list, uh, short list of uh, books that I want to read. I'm
2: in the same boat as Robert, where this book has been on my list since our author spotlight. Um, but it's just one of those things where the list grows and grows and grows. Yeah, absolutely. And I have to, yeah. I only have so much time <laughs> <laughs> in a day, so I, I am definitely going to get there, and I'm excited to read it. But it, I just haven't done it yet.
1: It's one of those things, too. Amy, you're so right. The sentences are so beautiful. And I I often find a lot of times with debut novels, like, they do something really well. Um, And the prophets, I think he happens to do a lot of things really well. Like, mm-hmm. the writing is so good. And it's told through more perspectives than any book I've ever read. And
5: Also true. He
1: it nails every single perspective and um it makes something that would be really hard to digest oddly hopeful by the end without without Mm -hmm. uh sugarcoating any of it but um yeah highly recommend that one too
3: yeah and I, i don't know how everyone else feels about this but sometimes the debut books are the ones that um even if it's not the first book I've read by the author, sometimes are the ones that stick out to me because it seems like there's... Like, even if they're, like, not as technically well-written, sometimes it's, like, almost like they've got some kind of extra layer of emotion or, um, mm. like, a really hard-to-describe, like, kind of power behind them that sometimes uh, other books, even though they might be more perfect, like thinking of it from my editorial side of the desk, like they might be more perfect in certain ways, like the writing. I still like the debut better because it's like, this one feels like it was like some kind of, uh, emotional thing to get it out there. And, and, uh, Totally. And yeah. And, and, you know, so thinking about this question too like it made me realize how how many times like i kind of like answering the question of like the debut author like caught me off guard it really made me think about how a lot of times i am kind of coming in a book or two later and the author's trajectory kind of like what i used to do with music sometimes you like hear like a great song, and you think, "Man, this is great new music." And then you go back and you see, like, the artist is like seventeen albums out, and they just finally hit it big, you know. Yeah. Uh, so these people that just came out of nowhere, have actually been around for a long time, building up their audience. Right. Also happens with authors a lot. So, um, so it was it was kind of difficult for me to uh, figure figure out a good answer for this. And uh, going back to the poetry, um, I. I meant to make sure that I could pronounce this last name right, so I'm apologize in advance if I'm butchering it. But uh, Ocean Vuong, um, his Night Sky with Exit oh, moons yeah. poetry collection. Uh, I remember getting that a few years back, and uh, you know, pre-COVID, and um, just being blown away by this debut uh, poet who just felt wise beyond his years um and really uh a huge like emotional uh connection with with his words.
1: Does he have a new one or does he have a new poetry collection coming out?
3: Um I believe oh, he does I but I so. <laughs> To tell you the truth like for me time is always <laughs> and more so the past few years. Yeah. Like like there are things that I think like are about to happen, or just happened, and then I find out, like, no, they really happened a long time ago. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. Okay. So this, whatever I'm talking about, could have been out already. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Excellent. Awesome. <laughs> Was that your second one, Amy? Or did, didn't you, did you say you had another one?
0: Oh, yeah. The other one I had is um one that just came out, maybe... Um, at the time of recording this, about a month ago, a month and a half ago, it was called um, "Beasts of a Little Land" by Joa Kim, and I, I may have gotten the may have pronounced the first name wrong. Um, I think we included her in our in the Breaking In column, maybe in the dis- November-December issue. I could be wrong about that, but again, it's um, it, it was a book that the The language was just on top of the story being so compelling. It takes place on the Korean Peninsula and covers the many wars that it um, that that nation went through until it became divided. And um, the language was so beautiful. Again, I would stop and reread sentences, and I have a little note in my phone of just sentences. And quotes that I wrote down that I just thought were gorgeous. And sometimes I'll go back and reread them because they um, they are universal thoughts and emotions um, that take me back to the book, but also I think are um, make me think about life and how lucky mm-hmm. we are.
1: So one of mine, if Amy had mentioned it, was The Prophets. I think it's one of the best books that's been written in the last several years um and i had the pleasure of speaking with robert jones junior like a year ago now and he was just delightful and the sweetest person but the two books that i brought um are very different from one another the first one's called the golden state by lydia keesling and i just love this cover so much i don't know why and it's about this woman who's sort of on the brink of a um like breakdown and so she spontaneously sort of flees her life in San Francisco to this fictional desert of Alta Vista California where her grandparents um, left her like a mobile home with her toddler and her uh, she's right now like a single mother her Turkish husband can't get back into the country and the next the the rest of the book is just her being there for the next 10 days and how she's like very slowly understandably spiraling. Um, and it's just really a beautiful character analysis and, uh, really stream of consciousness the way it's written, just really, really long sentences and kind of mundane, like nothing's really happening, but you can tell like something very personal and internal is happening. And, um, I, I love this book and I really highly recommend it. Um, and the other one is this tiny little, um weird in the best sense like I find this to be a compliment weird book called temporary by Hilary Leichter um and it's just about this temp who is like jumping from job to job looking for permanence like in her life but it sort of rides the line of um magical realism I mean it's okay well I should say it's it's not realistic at all like she gets a job like sending letters for a witch and then she's on like a pirate ship and but it's not fantasy it's just like magical realism because the reality you just believe it um and it sort of in the same way like uh, that you were saying amy there were full sentences and pages that i would just take pictures of and just go back and reread because this crazy thing is happening but i was able to place it upon my own life um in in reality and really uh personal and intimate ways um and was just truly laughing out loud a lot uh it's such a good book i really and i don't know anyone who's read it so i'm just like dying to have someone read it so i could talk about it <laughs> I'll say, and, I oh and also read the cover i'm looking i want this as a print
0: oh yeah that's a great cover it's I the coolest that thing you've
1: ever seen sorry and i'm also mm-hmm. my favorite color is pink and there's a lot of pink on this cover
0: is <laughs> it reminds me of um Uh, some drawings from like the 1920s yeah it has that old like the covers of books from around that time period mariah what's what's one of
2: yours okay so i actually have a list and (laughs) (laughs) um i'm gonna be brief because if you know me uh i become obsessed with things that i like and i'm talking like I will read all of the fan fiction. I will know everything you've ever put on social media. Like I, I become (laughs) a capital F fan. Um, but absolutely top of the list. Um, Adam Silvera's more happy than not.
1: Oh, wow. um, I didn't know that was his debut.
2: Yes. Right. And so, I mean, I love that book to the point where like, I'm planning to get a tattoo for it. Like no matter how many times I read it, it always blows me away. Um, Casey McQuiston's Red, White, and Royal Blue. I love that one. Uh, yes, absolutely. Aiden Thomas's Cemetery Boys. Wow. Um, that one was another one that I I was like, no, there's no way that this is a debut book. There's just not. <laughs> <laughs> um, Chloe Gong's These Violent Delights was another yes. one that just mm-hmm. felt like super powerful on every sentence. Um Then, of course, my favorite book of all time is The Foxhole Court by Nora Sokovec. And that is part of a trilogy, which is just like hands down the best book that I've ever read. I am the ideal reader for that book, um, so I think that's why it, it captured me so much. But the last one on my list that I really, really wanted to mention Um, with the caveat that I did go, uh, and get my MFA alongside of this person, um, David Jackson Ambrose's State of the Nation. Like if I were to teach a class on multiple perspectives and emotionality, like Mm. that's the book that I would, I would bring because it has a really unique, um, well, each character that you get to see through their eyes. They each have a very distinct, unique point of view, um, but you, f- you f- they're so clear. You feel like you are living inside of them and inside of their world, um, which was really, really awesome to see because that uh, book had been workshopped in a couple of different yeah. ways in, in our workshop classes. So I went from like seeing that and it's very rough stages to then like pre-ordering the book, getting it in the mail and reading it and I was just absolutely blown away and and so proud. So, that's the that's last so cool. one that I'll mention.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I love that story. Now I'm going to have to look that one up. Oh, it's wonderful. You you listed several books that I haven't read. I'm going to have to um, make note of some of those.
1: And the, the or I'm sorry if you just said this, Mariah, but these Violet Delights has a sequel out now right
0: mm-hmm.
2: yes i haven't yet read the sequel because i like to play this like weird game with myself where i'm like <laughs> really excited for a sequel to come out but it's the last one in that mm-hmm. world oh so it's on my bedside table and i look at it and i think <laughs> i'm so excited to read you but like knowing once once i read it I, it will be read <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then it'll be done yeah. <laughs> Because you can only read a book for the first mm-hmm. time once, right?
1: I'm so. with you on this. <laughs> I, I I luxuriate in books. Like I cannot I cannot speed read. I mean I I, I choose not to most of the time because I'm just sad. But like, especially the books I love, I'm just like, I don't want I don't want this to end.
2: And that's uh my spouse was just rolling his eyes because I talked about that book for months. I was like, "It's coming out." I had it on the calendar. Like, here it is. It finally came,
0: and I'm not reading it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I support uh, that. Delayed gratification. That's awesome. Yes, exactly.
3: Yeah. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah.
0: When I'm emotionally you know, sorry. ready
2: for it to be over, then I will read it. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what's another one, and I have to say it before we wrap up is "The Hate You Give" by Angie Thomas is. One of the best oh, debuts I've ever yes, read. Ever. Right. I knew there was one that on the tip of my yes. tongue. I was like, "What did I not bring?" Um, yes. And it's the hate you give.
0: Absolutely. As soon as I read that, I I was a um I came to Angie Thomas late, and so when I read that one, um I instantly bought the other ones that she yeah. had written in the meantime and binged yeah. read all of them in a row. Yes. Okay. And say, then bought them for I'd... my cousin and shipped them to her. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I did binge The Hate You Give. I say as I like talk about luxuriating, I read it on a plane. I was like, (laughs) I'm finishing this before we land. Mm
0: -hmm.
2: I did that with Concrete Rose. I started it and I was like, oh, this is a book like I'm going to be able to spend all week with this book. And then by the time that uh, my spouse got home from work that night, I was like, sit down because I have to gush about a book I read (laughs) today.
0: (laughs) You know that reminds me of another one, um, the poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo. Oh, that was another debut so that I was good. like, "You have got to be kidding me!" That's a debut. I can't. Come I actually on. can't believe that. I mean, I know she. You had know why other though? It's because before, like. But...
1: I we, we talk about this all the time. Like, uh, because it's their debut, doesn't mean it's the first time they've ever written either. Exactly. So it's like, exactly. I guess I shouldn't be shocked. You know, these are talented writers. Um, who aren't like just like oh i guess i'll try and
3: get a debut right. they've been working at it.
0: Right. For years and years in a lot of cases. Yeah, ones yeah. well, and, and okay. so
3: many of them especially the ones who are great at writing those sentences that we love come at novel writing after kind of building a a small career around short story writing. You know, um mm-hmm. so many I know so many debut authors that we're trying to get a collection of short stories published found an agent for the short story collection and they would only get published if they agreed to also write a novel to go with that short story collection so um so a lot of times like the it's kind of like with the music like even mm-hmm. even when we're getting a debut author we're not really getting a debut author because these people right you know like all of us writers you know like write for a long, long time. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's yeah. we love.
0: <laughs> that's a that's a yeah. really great point, Robert. Yeah. But in some cases it is their first time having a full book published and that comes with its own challenges. And since we all yeah. have worked with debut writers in some way, shape or form, um I wondered if any of you have any um, advice Based on, you know, looking at it from an editor's perspective in some cases, um, or in our cases, like, what are things that you've seen debut authors do that you've worked with that um, have have created some um, words of wisdom that you might share with any of them, with new ones? The one that I will say that I gave to my the authors that um, I worked with who were writing their first book was don't don't look at the reviews like don't go on goodreads and look at the reviews please if there's one thing that you don't do let it be that
3: yeah that's great advice even if you have experience like with workshopping you're writing uh one bad review can really uh ruin you and make you overlook all the great <laughs> stuff you're getting mm-hmm. because it's like human nature to to think of like to try to change the mind of that one person who just doesn't get it and they're never going to get it and (laughs) there's nothing you can do about Mm -hmm. that um and i don't know if this is kind of related but uh one thing for debut authors is like don't hide your enthusiasm um about your writing and what you love like don't don't feel like you have to try to act like you've been there or that you're like too cool or anything um my favorite debut authors that I work with as an editor are the ones who are coming in and they're just excited and they can't hide it. And that kind of, uh, you you know, enthusiasm is infectious, uh, for, for, you know, the writer, but also for me as an editor. And I want to share that enthusiasm with people as well. And I think it goes through to like literary agents, publicists, everyone starts to feel that, Mm -hmm. uh, vibe. So, so, you know, don't, don't try to act like you're too cool for school. If you're really like an excitable person and you're excited about it, like let it come out. You don't have to hide it.
0: I love that.
2: I think going off of that, um, as I think everyone here knows in my previous editorial life. Um, I was a book coach and an editor for a uh, self-help publisher and I've worked with over a hundred debut authors. Um, so I, I feel like I've been around the the debut <laughs> block a couple of times. Um, but my, my thing with reviews is always, um, keep your ideal reader in mind mm-hmm. because, um, yes, we want everyone to read our work and love it right but you should only be writing for the one person who you know is is the inspiration the spark the fire behind why you do this um and because i mean if we we all love writing but like if we were just writing for ourselves we wouldn't ever let anybody see our work right so you are writing for an audience but that audience should be like this imaginary person who is just sitting at their desk, waiting for you to tell the story that they need to hear. Um, So all of those negative reviews, none of them are your ideal reader. Mm -hmm. And they're entitled to their opinion, but you didn't write for them. Your ideal reader is gonna find your work and they're gonna be totally in love with you and cheer you on. Um, And then the other, coming like more from the editorial side, Uh, I always used to tell my authors, you know, don't be afraid to speak up um, at any point in this process because your team is on your side. I know sometimes, um, especially as you get further along in the process and it becomes very emotional, like you might not think that you're going to have a 3 a.m. breakdown about a comma on page 97. And here we are. (laughs) (laughs) And so when, when you get there, just remember that your team is not the enemy. Um, they want to hear what you have to say. They want to be there to help you and support you in any way that they can, even if that's like, talk me off the ledge about this comma, or if it's, you know, I'm, I'm really feeling like the story is going in a direction that I don't want it to go in. Um, this is not the story I want it to write. And if, if they're not behind you, you'll know it, and you'll be able to take steps to get a team um, who's going to support you and your work uh, correctly.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic advice. All of that.
2: <laughs> Thank you.
1: Yeah, I guess something that I think about a lot for writer like especially when they're in the writing process is that a lot of times the writing advice writers get from other writers is, write every day and, and make it a habit and and build it in. And that is smart, helpful advice. A lot of times coming from people who have already found success. And it's hard for a lot of people who want to write to find two hours a day, an hour a day, 30 minutes a day to write for whatever reason. If they have families, if they are working um, the uh, shifts that are not traditional and uh, that can lead to people feeling like failures or they're not real writers, quote unquote. And, um, for me, it's just, don't worry about that. Find the structure that works for you. And, um, if it's a word a day, if it's a sentence a day, if it's, if it's a paragraph a week, that's, you are being a writer and you are doing it successfully because it looks, it makes sense for your life. And, um, 'Cause I just feel like a lot of writers put themselves down and, and stop stop trying because of what it's supposed to look like to be a writer. And so if you're writing, you're a writer.
3: Yeah, and that that's great advice and like kind of loops in with the whole enthusiasm thing and, and what I always try to focus right. on with my own writing and also like prompting other people to write is, you know, try to find like even if you're not writing material that would be considered quote unquote fun, try to make it fun for yourself and something Mm -hmm. enjoyable and not something where you feel like you're having to work at it. Like, you know, yeah, uh, even though like writing can be something where you're like working at it, like try, try to find that part of it. That's the reason why you do it because nobody's really forcing anyone to write Um, you know, so, so try to figure that out and always keep that like, kind of, as like your, your North star when you're writing, like, like you start to feel overwhelmed or you start to feel like, oh, I did read a bad review. Now, what am I going to do? Just try to Mm -hmm. like, bring it back in and think like, why am I doing this? Where's the fun? And like, go back to that and, um, keep that focus.
0: That's perfect. I, I love all of these, um, all of these pieces of advice. It's a very uplifting note to end on. Stay tuned for Mariah's roundtable with breaking in debut authors.
2: Hi everyone, this is Mariah Richard here with three absolutely amazing debut authors, Nita Prose, Christopher Griffin, and Maisie Eddings, for our first Breaking In Discussion Roundtable. As you might know, our Breaking In column in the magazine is a space where we feature some debut authors that we're super excited about. Each of our authors here today have been featured in the column. But our goal is to go a little deeper into what the process of publishing your first book is like. So welcome, Nita, Christopher, and Maisie, and thank you guys so much for taking the time to be here today. So in my experience, it's always a lot more fun to have authors tell us um, in their own words about who they are and what their projects are. So rather than read a blurb, um, why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourselves? Nita, why don't you start?
4: Sure. Uh, Well, I'm Nita Prose and I'm the author of The Maid. And The Maid features Molly, who is a socially awkward uh, hotel roommate whose world gets turned upside down when she stumbles across an infamous guest who's very dead in his hotel room bed. And, you know, I think this is a book about what it means to be the same as everyone else and yet entirely different. And as a who whodun- done it, it's maybe a little bit different too, because the mystery can only be solved through a connection to the human heart.
5: Um, and I'm Maisie Eddings. Um, I'm the author of A Brush with Love. Um, it's a rom com um, coming out with St. Martin's Press. Um, it's about two dental students who trade fillings for feelings um, as they na- <laughs> as they navigate um, life and kind of like the messiness of technically being an adult and not knowing what that means. Um, And one of the big aspects of it is Harper. The heroine is um, neurodiverse, which um, I wrote from my own perspective with that. Um, And then it also looks at like um, anxiety disorders and mental illness and kind of loving yourself and learning to love somebody, you know, learning to love somebody else as well and let them in and things like that. but, yeah, it was really fun. A lot of um, oral puns were just, like, there for the taking with it. Um, <laughs> and, and, yeah.
6: Hi, everyone. Um, so interesting hearing uh, about your books. I have, like, questions I want to know. Uh, but my name is Christopher Griffin, and I'm the author of You Grow Girl, Plant Queen's Lush Guide to Grow in Your Garden. And it is a fun, quirky, fashionable uh, take on a gardening book uh, filled with a lot of Black, queer, non-binary joy. Um, and non binary joy and storytelling, uh, fun tutorials, uh, and basically an extension of uh, my social media presence. Folks can follow me at Plant Queen on Instagram. Um, and yeah, just kind of filled the pages with lushness, iridescent vibes, and green girls galore.
2: Perfect. Thank you all so much, because that was way more fun than if I was just sitting here reading off of my screen about you. (laughs) Um, But now let's dive into the juicy behind the scenes kind of stuff. So for my first question today, um, was there something about this book that made you think, this is the project that I've got to get published?
4: Well, for me, uh, it's Nita. Um, I have to say that, you know, my day job is as an editor. So I work in books all day long and have for many, many years. So, and I love my work. So it was um, not my plan to write a debut novel. It just kind of happened to me. So, you know, I got an idea in my head that was like, almost too good to refuse. So it happened to me in London in 2019 and I was at the London Book Fair for work and I was staying at a London area hotel. I stepped out of the hotel and I returned to my room and I completely startled the roommate who was cleaning it. And I remember her sort of jumping back into a shadowy corner and she had in her hands, my track pants, which like a fool, I left in a tangled mess on my bed. And I looked at her and I thought it's such an invisible and intimate job to be a roommate. You know, she cleaned my room every day. She'd been doing this for days. So she knew so much about me and I knew nothing about her. And you know how sometimes like just a little thing like that will just sort of lodge in your head. So a few days later, I'm on my plane ride home. And then I started to hear my protagonist, the maid's voice. Her name is Molly. And it was very clean and crisp and precise and I grabbed the napkin from under my drink and I started to write the prologue for the book in a single burst. And that's actually how I began my debut novel. Not because I thought, yep, now's the time, I'm gonna sit down, it's January 2nd and I'm gonna begin my debut. No, it didn't happen that way for me, although for some people it does.
5: That's super cool. I, I always love hearing when people, like, start writing their books, like, on napkins or little scraps of paper and stuff like that. Like, that just, I think that's the coolest thing. Um, with A Brush With Love, um, I was having just very much, like, a quarter-life crisis. Um, I was, you know, I, I'm in dental school, and I started at my first year of dental school. Um, I think it was January 2019, Um, and yeah, I was just really depressed. I was really anxious. I didn't know what I was doing with my life. And I felt like a lot of dissatisfaction. And, um, one thing that was like, was, and always has been a huge, um, bomb for, you know, anxiety and stuff like that is romance novels. And I was just consuming them just like, you know, at a ridiculous pace and everything. And, um, the one thing that I was like noticing and stuff was I just didn't see a lot of, neurodiverse um, main characters Um, and so I kind of wanted to see people reflective of my my life and the way my brain works like in characters and things like that and you know this was right around the time Helen Wong was like you know publishing um, the Kiss Quotient and stuff like that and she's done so much to really bring like neurodiverse voices to the table and everything but you know at that point I wasn't seeing it as much Um, and so I just kind of started writing about an anxious girl, you know, making her way through life and um yeah, and it, it just ended up being really fun. I thought um and then I also was doing this thing where Barnes and Noble was doing like um, you know, ask us for a book rec thing and I put it it was on Instagram and I was like, "Oh, do you have any books set in like dental School or the world of dentistry?" And they like DM'd me and they were like, we nobody on our team could think of like a single one and so it's like well maybe there's a market Dentistry's not really sexy like everybody hates the dentist but let's see what we can do you know the impossible but <laughs> yeah
6: i love listening to your story um yeah my uh the whole publishing process uh was one i was not expecting to be completely honest um, so uh, I currently reside in Brooklyn. I have over two hundred plants in my apartment, um, and I give you all a little, little tour a little later. Um, <laughs> but I have over two hundred plants in my apartment. Um, I work full time at NYU as the assistant director for the LGBTQ+ Center, um, and I just kind of share my journey on Instagram and. Uh, it kind of just opened up, I mean, the power of social media. Um, It opened up doors for me and actually my publisher reached out to me and proposed that I write a book. And I was like, okay, this is interesting. Um, And there's a quote by Toni Morrison. that says that if you want to read a book that hasn't, uh, uh, if there's a book you want to read and it hasn't been written yet, then you must write it. And so... um, I thought, well, you know what? I really do enjoy writing. um I do treat uh Instagram like my little digital diary. So I was like, you know i I can write um why not bring it on to some pages and so it took four months um uh, at the in the winter of twenty twenty um and this was like pre vaccine all those things um to write and photograph the book. So it uh, has a bunch of wonderful images um, and uh, uh, featuring a lot of my uh, favorite plant shops in Brooklyn. Um, and uh, yeah, it was it was a journey. Um, didn't realize how much I would enjoy the process. Didn't realize how tedious the process was gonna be. <laughs> didn't I, I was not prepared y'all, I was not prepared. <laughs> Um, yeah, I thought I, I, handed in my transcript at the, uh, beginning of, uh, Oh my God. What's the beginning of this year? Yeah. Beginning of this year. And I was like, I'm done. Bam. Wrote a book, ha. <laughs> send it to the presses, send it to the presses child. If that wasn't the case. Um, yeah. And so it's been like a year of, um, yeah, earlier, uh, submitted my transcript earlier, 2021. Um, Spent that entire year finalizing um, just uh, design choices, cover, all those things. Um, And now finally, it is ready to be printed. And it comes out uh, on March 22nd, a day before my 33rd birthday. Um, Very intentional. Very intentional about that. Uh, But yeah, it was a process that I was not expecting uh, during that time, but one that I gladly... Um. Yes, yeah, it into with a sense of curiosity and wanting to learn. So,
5: did you? What kind of camera did you have to use to take all the photos? Like, do you shoot on an iPhone or?
6: Ooh, child, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I hired my one of my good friends, a photographer, to shoot everything. Um, but we shot a lot of it in my apartment, and so I have a very um intentional vision of how I want things to look and so was kind of like with her like hey this is how I want to lay this out and I think there are over just close to 200 images um in the book and so we had to like go through visit to shop go through tutorials and it was a process uh, I can find that information out later Maisie what camera was used but uh it was it was a process <laughs> <laughs>
2: So at Writer's Digest, we always get a ton of questions from writers about how you go about getting an agent. But what I'm really curious about is how did you know that your agent was the right choice for you and your project?
4: Well, for me, that was that was really clear, Um, you know, because I I work with um, books all day, I, I know a lot of the agents. Um, And for me, something that was really important was having an agent who really understood the spirit of Uplit. So Uplit, as they call it in the UK, or feel-good fiction in the US, is a kind of genre that is really led by the heart and a journey of the spirit. And while my novel is at its heart a whodunit, it is, you know, a mystery. Somebody dies at the beginning and it is about a quest to find out who did it. It is also, you know, melding the who done it with a journey of the spirit with uplift. So for me, my agent, uh, the the agent that I wanted most was Madeline Melbourne, and uh, that is because she was the person who isolated way before the rest of us knew it or were introduced to it. A little book called Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. Um, a beautiful piece of work by uh, Gail Honeyman. Um, it's a book that really shifted a lot of paradigms, I think, in the publishing industry. And for me as, a, as a, an editor and as a reader, the commitment to the point of view um, and to that, to that genre, dealing with the dark through the lens of light was something I found just so utterly appealing. So having an agent who could under who really, truly understood it in her heart, in her mind, and how she approached the project was really important to me. And so um, I was also terrified to submit my work, absolutely terrified, because, you know, it wasn't like I could then walk away. I had to work in the industry. <laughs> I would have to face agents after they said, no, your work is really lovely, but I don't want it. So, you know, it took me a while to actually work up the courage to send it. And... Um, I was so overjoyed when Madeline Milburn agreed to represent me. So that was sort of my journey and my rationale.
6: I love that. Um, My journey was a little different. So the publisher reached out first um, before I could uh, secure an agent. so I'm sure y'all can imagine me navigating that process without an agent was very interesting. And I learned some things after <laughs> I got an agent. <laughs> I know better <laughs> next time. Love my publisher. But um, it is important uh, for any folks who are trying to get who are listening or trying to get their book published. Make sure you have uh, your support system. Um, and an agent can be really, really helpful uh, to engage in those conversations that you don't want to bother yourself with. Um, so that. Um, so did the deal and then my agent found me. Um, and uh, uh she's a part of the team at CAA Cindy. And uh, for me, um I think it's all about uh personality, um it's about whether they are uh I think it's also about the connection in terms of wanting to learn who I am as a person, right? So, as a Black, queer, non binary person, there's a lot of intricacies to who I am um, and uh, the ways that I navigate the world. And Cindy just was, we just connected on that in so many different levels. She really saw me for who I was as a person, understood um my mission my vision and really just wanted to support it with like I don't know if we can curse one here but like badass energy like she just had the badass energy and I was like Cindy please <laughs> let's work together um and so it was it was really amazing uh being able to um for uh, for her to find me she found me um and introduced me to the entire team at CAA uh and we've been working together across multiple projects and I wouldn't have it any different because um, they're such a supportive team and they really listen um which I think is just so so important um yeah yeah
5: I yeah I um my like journey has been a little weird but a lot of like my motivation's were kind of in a similar vein. Like I was looking for somebody that would be really supportive of like, you know, so I'm I'm autistic, I have ADHD, I, you know, like all these different neurodiversities that kind of influence how I interact with people and just like how I approach stories and writing in general and stuff. Um, so the clearing process was really uh, nerve wracking for me. And you know what I think is so funny and I totally like get this and respect it. I have a lot of um, agents turn the book down because of dental phobia, and like I so like understand that because it's like I I get it like being afraid of the dentist like that is an occupational hazard. I understand why people don't like dentists, but so I was like, oh god, like there must be just no market for this at first. And then um, I I came across Kelly Martin, um, who was working with um, Wendy Sherman and Associates, and I read um, a couple blog posts that she wrote, and like she just had thought so. I just loved like the eloquence and, like, the perspective she had on on love stories and what kind of, like, the romance genre is doing and how it's it's transforming and things like that. And so I queried her. I was super excited. Um, and we ended up connecting. And, I mean, like, we would just go back and forth, like, fangirling with each other. We're like, You know, it was just one of those people where, like, I, I, I adore Kelly. Um, she has since uh, moved to a different role, um, in, in publishing. And so, um, I then was like at a position where I had to figure out like who, um, to work with and like, you know, who, or who I was going to be represented by and everything. And, um, Courtney Miller Callahan at Handspun lit, um, who I just have really admired. I admire her client list, but she's also, um, done like so much advocacy and good work for, I, just trying to make publishing a better place and a more like equitable place, and you know, getting stories, the coverage, and like the spot at the table that they deserve, and stuff like that. And so I, I was really excited to work with somebody, or wanted to work with somebody that had that intentionality behind what mm-hmm. they were doing and stuff. And so I queried her, um, and we really connected. And so she represents me now. But um, I I feel very lucky to have worked with both of both Kelly and uh, Courtney thus far. So. Yeah, it's been weird, though. It's been, like, so stressful. It's That that part is, like, so stressful.
2: <laughs> it's interesting, like, what before you're in it, you never know, like, what is gonna be the biggest stressor or not. So, <laughs> it's one of those things you're just constantly learning as you go. And
5: there's constantly um, new stressors, too. <laughs> like, every day, you find out a new thing. I'm like, oh, I didn't know I could be, like, stressed about this today. Like... <laughs> Here
2: we go. And as somebody who has worked with a lot of debut authors, uh as an editor and a book coach, I have come to expect like the the weirdest things like uh on page two hundred and ninety-four I found like a comma out of place will just like become a huge deal. <laughs> and you if you had asked that person the week before what's gonna, you know, bring all these emotions to the surface that would not have been on the list. <laughs> but it's every day it's something different, I think.
5: Every day there's like a new tripwire that will be like, this is gonna be the disaster. <laughs> I like my I mean speaking of agents, my poor agent, because I I email her with like new little rambling panics every day. I'm just like, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Yeah. Publishing stressful. I'm surprised I was surprised. <laughs>
2: Well, kind of along that vein, um, if you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing that you would need to prepare for when it comes to either the editing or the publication (laughs) process, what would that one thing be?
6: I'll go first. Um, You know, honestly, I don't think I would tell myself (laughs) anything because I probably (laughs) would freak myself out. I, I think I would freak myself out. Um, yeah, I think it was important for me, and you know, I work in education, so like I, I, I get the the general. Well, for me, in, in my writing, it was very, um, you know, like doing research and finding information and making it accessible and fun and user friendly and engaging. So, like that was easy for me um but yeah I mean the uh I think I did everything I needed to do um because I think throughout this journey and my plants have been a real big part of that um and that you know caring for them has been a mirror to how I care for myself right um so I've been like really spending a lot of time with myself I'm pre you know pre-pandemic I was You know, just like an extroverted, social, like get my energy from other people. And obviously, you know, uh, we can't do that in the same ways that we used to. And so I turned inward and my plants really helped me, um, were just a reflective aspect of my life that helped me dig a little deeper into myself. And so I think it was perfect timing to write a book. If there was any time to write a book, I would have never thought it would have been, you know, those four months. But it was actually the perfect time because I was inside spending a lot of time with my plants and I was able to really just dig deep um, and explore some things that I was curious about. Um, I wrote a chapter on water and uh, was like really curious, like where is this water coming from? What's the difference between spring water, tap water, bottled water? um, And how does it impact the plants? But then I was like, well, goodness gracious, (laughs) I'm drinking this too. (laughs) (laughs) i gotta wait a minute now i gotta make some different choices um and so it was like it was it was it was i was having such a good time with myself because i'm like writing the book but then i'm also finding out all these new things i was like oh my god i can use this for myself um so yeah i don't honestly i think i did what needed to be done in that moment in time and so past christopher would have to just be resilient and uh, work on it in the ways that I was able to because I would freak myself out if my if I went back and said Christopher girl he is everything you got to prepare for <laughs> just being honest yeah I'm,
4: I'm with you Christopher it's better not to know because I do think there's so much to do as a writer every given day is like a new set of challenges and hurdles mm-hmm. that it's actually better not knowing what you're gonna get into <laughs> now i'm saying that to a podcast where a lot of people are wanting to get into this and i'm telling you <laughs> don't look too deep.
6: it's gonna no, be okay no, yes. it will
4: you can but do it a day at a time take the day at a time approach like christopher's saying and you know you'll get to where you're gonna go um, but without, you know, uh, ending in an anxiety attack <laughs> before you've even started.
5: I, I think, yeah, I mean, there, I, I wouldn't warn myself because I think I would have been too afraid to like go forward with it. And stuff. I think it, like, I just, um I wish I had had a better, like, okay, so bear with me here because I'm going to like speak in figurative language and allegories and metaphors, but like I've recently developed like this new way of kind of thinking about things because I think what I didn't realize especially as you get closer to the pub date and everything like that you um you just are subjected to a lot more reviews and being tagged in negative ones or you know subtweets or like any kinds of things like that where it's like other people's um opinions and like readers opinions which I like completely, you know, readers have whatever opinion they want to have, and they can hate it. And that's totally their prerogative. But sometimes seeing that, um, even if it's on accident, it's hard not to internalize that, right? Or like create a lot of doubt. And so um, I, I've been like trying to think about it, like my brain, and CRISPR, I'm not like just BSing here but like (laughs) I think about my brain as like a garden right and so like these negative ideas could be like little weeds that are being planted and things like that like every morning I have to wake up and I have to like I have to basically like pluck the weeds out I have to water the things that are important and like I wish I had I wish I had that mindset like this entire time because I think I would have like um internalized and doubted stuff a lot less at certain aspects but i definitely would not want to know some of like the stressors and stuff like that so yeah i wouldn't want spoilers for like past me i would just want like a better a better brain garden so
4: (laughs) it's a lovely metaphor it's perfect and i think that that is something about being an author is that once your book is finished once it's published it's not just yours anymore. In fact, it's barely yours. It's everyone else's. And that, that shift from you being alone with the page and the word to it being everyone else's, it's, it's a real reckoning moment. And you do, as Maisie is saying, have to, you know, get ready for the feedbacks you know, much of it is going to be good and that will buoy you, but, but you know, it's important to categorize the rest of the feedback into helpful versus not helpful. Um, you know, something that I'm, I have to remind myself of when I'm weeding the garden is that my book isn't for everybody. It's gonna please who it's going to please. And I wrote it for the people that, with who I had in mind it would please them. But you know, a really hardcore mystery lover, or, you know, a hardcore legal thriller lover. Well, you know, if they're really dedicated to only those genres, they're going to have a hard time finding something to love in my book <laughs> and i've had to i've had to remind myself that you know well that's okay those those readers there's lots of other wonderful authors out there who will serve their their tastes better and i think that is the beautiful democracy of the reading world is that we all are in this ecosystem in this garden together as writers and and together we create all of these different sorts of, uh, plants to use Christopher's, um uh, Come on! Garden metaphors. you metaphor. for all of it. Um, and you know, you get to choose the flower from the garden. So you choose what you're going to like. Don't choose, you know, the thorn that you don't like, choose what you love.
6: And I think it's also important that, um, because I think folks can get stuck in, um, you know is this good enough for other people to see i think that's like one of the leading causes of like procrastination for a lot of artists that want to bring something into the world and i think honestly cuz i i did have that thought too um and also like i do not have a, like i consider myself i don't I don't like using the word expert. Like I'm just a garden guru. Like I'm good at tending to my garden and I'm gonna share things that have been helpful for me that could be helpful for you. Um, and I think for me it was really asking myself, is this something that I love? Did I chuckle when I read this? If I chuckled, then I'm like, Good, it's good enough for me. So there we go, put it out into the world. So I think, you know, as long as you love what you're creating. And obviously, you know, you're, you're part of it, you're creating it for yourself, right? And I think that's what we forget. We're always thinking of other people. So, like, if you love it and it feels good for you, um, then let that love liberate you um, so that you can, you know, release your magic out into the world and don't forget that love that you initially had because it can be, uh, I think, watered down with criticism and critiques and feedback and but think back to that moment when you sat down and wrote that chapter or wrote that sentence. Um, and if you loved it, then that's all that matters.
5: And I think that's so crucial too, for like subsequent works and stuff, because like Mm. second book syndrome, third book syndrome, like that's, you know, Mm. because then you feel like as you enter those next projects and stuff, like you, it, I don't know it leaves like that space where it feels like just you and the page initially and like you feel like somebody's reading over your shoulder so just like (sighs) shooing them out the door and and focusing on that is so important
2: well i love everything that has been said (laughs) um and i know that the question initially was like no this The answers were like, no, we don't want to know anything. This is terrifying, (laughs) Um, which I definitely understand. Having worked with, um, I worked with over 100 debut authors in my last job. Um, But one memory that I have that's like very visceral to me um, as an editor was um, there was this one project and it was like anything that could go wrong was going wrong. And it was like just triage 24-7 with this author and then we had this one day where um we got three different options for her cover and so we jumped on a call together and we're going over these options and you know she's stressed she's worn down and she just looked at the computer and then she looked at me and she said this is really happening isn't it like I'm really publishing a book and I was like yes you are <laughs> and so I I learned to like take that small joy when it came and I want to know was there ever a moment like that for you where you were just kind of like wow I'm really publishing this thing aren't I
5: mine actually just happened I mean there's been small moments like that along the way but I think the most recent I, I got my author copies on Friday night yeah and I um I, I ha- So, my apartment, I'm on the third floor of this walk-up, and, like, I swear, if Tim Burton designed, like, a Clay Nation <laughs> staircase, it would be this staircase. Like, it is the staircase from hell. But, so, I'm, like, lugging, like, this box up, and I'm, like, tripping, and it's heavy and everything like that. And I was just, like, I was so excited, and I came in, I busted up open- my cat, my goodness, sorry, my cat's, like, all over the place. But, um, I, like, busted open the box, and I was just, it was just, like i i don't I don't even know how to explain the feeling that it was um it was pretty amazing and it was so special and like it really hit me like this is a final book I've like put so much of my heart and soul into it, and i yeah, I just felt so like overwhelmed with love and excitement for it and everything like that so that was that was like a really special moment
6: I think I've had multiple of those moments um. I think the first one was... And each one had, like, a different emotional significance for me. I think the first one was, like, when I submitted the the transcript. I was like, oh, it's, it's out. Bam. Y'all have it. I can't really make any changes, even though some changes would come. But in my mind, that was it. I was like, y'all got it. Bam. Done. And then it didn't come until... Um uh, most uh, more recently. I haven't got my uh author copy yet. I'm waiting for that moment. Tears will come. Um but I think it was when uh, um I saw it on the website. I was like, oh my god, this is like this is like real. Um, and I was like sending the link to friends. I was like, Oh my god, my book is like on on a website. Like this is actually gonna happen. <laughs> like y'all can actually pre-order this thing. Like it's really happening. Um So yeah, I think that was it for me. And then I'm gonna have that moment again when I get the actual uh, copy. Yeah, yeah.
4: And for me, I think it was exactly the opposite. I had all of these Alice in Wonderland moments where I kept forgetting the book was mine because I work with books all day long. So there was one moment um, several months ago where for my day job, I was looking at three cover proofs for my authors. So, you know, this is a meticulous process. You have to really scrutinize every detail of the copy, make sure everything's functioning. The ISBN is there, the price, um, the shout line, no errors, etc. cetera. So, you know, it's like, okay, I've got, I've got four of these actually to do, and I've got one hour. So I've got to like really focus and not lose my focus and, and put on sort of that meticulous eye that an editor has to use for a short period of time. So I did one, great, send, press send, do two, three, four, done, phew, an hour's gone by. Only after I press send on the fourth did I realize the fourth one was my book.
6: <laughs> oh, wow.
4: I'm fine, just totally fine, no problems here. <laughs> But that is how ingrained it is for me to be on the other side. So I've had all of these moments of like, uh, you know that feeling when you're in a dream and you're like, no, no, wait, this isn't supposed to be happening to me. I have those moments all throughout this process where I feel like, like I'm supposed to be where Mariah is. I'm supposed to be on the other side of this. (laughs) Um, And I have to remind myself, no, no, no. You've switched roles. You were the writer. You were the author now.
2: That's that like, is so funny to me, um, because I started as a writer and then became an editor, um, like through (laughs) a very weird series of events. Um, and so I, uh, as I mentioned, um, I think in our first episode of this podcast, I was talking to the other editors and I said like, I don't know about you guys, but I have like two brains. I have my writer brain and I have my editor brain. And like, I have to manually turn one off to access the other, <laughs> because otherwise it's just like, like I cannot write from an editor's brain or else I will never get anything done. And it is it is interesting to hear how everybody's process is a little bit different that way. Um, but switching gears just a little bit, uh, so, I want to talk about how you go about balancing your time now. Um, Because, you know, you've got writing, you've got work, you've got family. Um, Is there any kind of tips or tricks that you've picked up that have made things a little bit easier
4: for you? Um, Workaholism helps me a lot. It's just, it's fantastic. (laughs) Uh, I don't, I don't have any tips or tricks. I have zero tips or tricks. Um you know other than the very mundane and obvious ones which so many writers know which is you know that liminal space of the morning is such a fertile time to write because there are aspects of your you know reality brain that are still kind of asleep and um, i always found those hours before the phone is ringing before everyone's awake just very um, profitable writing time um, so I guess that's really my only tip other than that. Just try and get through, <laughs> get, try to get through that very difficult, um, process of being a writer and a something else at the same time, which, um, just means a lot of, uh, uh, dedication, uh, to, to work life. But I, I also feel like if you love your work then it doesn't feel like it's a chore. It feels like it's a joy. Um, you know, the only thing I can do, the only thing I've ever been good at is telling stories and helping other people tell stories. So for me, the yin yang of the writer's life and the editorial life are just two sides of the same coin.
5: I like, I mean, so when I wrote, um, A Brush With Love, um, I was writing it like, you know in the back of lecture halls and like you know during like endo um lectures and classes and things like that and i was i was having really bad insomnia at the time too so i would wake up at like two in the morning and i would just be like okay well i can't sleep i guess i'm just gonna write and like (laughs) a lot of it was born that way and um you know the other big thing too is like i i tend to write out of order so I just, I write whatever, like, feels, whatever idea or scene or, like, even just line of dialogue feels, like, really juicy and yummy and fun. Like, I, I let my brain, like, latch onto that and just see how far it will take it um, instead of, like, trying to follow, you know, just this very, like, linear process of telling the story and stuff because I I personally find that it's easier for me to write like a middle if I already have the ending done because I'm like okay I know how to I know where I'm going I have the destination in mind already um I tried to develop a little more balance um and like you know things have been different like I have more time now than I did those first couple years and so um I I try to dedicate like a couple hours when i get home from work and like seeing patients and stuff to just like frolic and play with words because it, it's so fun to like engage that creative aspect um oh. especially when you're having to do like really like analytical like problem solving um all day but yeah i mean i don't know i i don't have like very great balance um <laughs> so i'm trying but <laughs> if anybody does i'm i'm definitely wanting some tips <laughs>
4: Ditto, Maisie. Let's let's go find those people. Truly, <laughs> like,
5: yeah. yeah, workaholic, indeed. Yeah, you and me both, you know.
6: Um, you know, violence, I think is something I've been uh, exploring even more so in the last two years. Um, you know, working in higher education. Uh, you know, my job uh, in the past required me to be just fully present all the time, like with, you know, the students, programming, uh, all that good stuff, uh, events. Um, and so having now the option to work from home has like shook my world in the most beautiful of ways. Um, you know, when I work from home, I, uh, you know, I'll eat for 30 minutes and I'll take a nap for 30 minutes. And that's like, that's, it's, woo, yes, wonderful. <laughs> Never been able to do that before, but you best believe I'm on it now. Um, and so I think for me, if there were tips uh, in terms of writing and balancing it all, uh, one would be to not rush the process. Obviously, we all have deadlines, right? It's, it's important to have a deadline. If you're writing, you don't have a deadline. Make that for yourself. Um, but simultaneously, don't rush the process. I think it's just important to enjoy it right and if there is a moment where you're like i this does not feel good you probably need to take a pause go do something that makes you feel good whether that's taking a nap drinking some tea going for a walk whatever you need to do to like be in your body um i think it's in it's important so in those moments where i felt when i was like fully present in the moment that's when i was able to really just knock out a bunch of chapters um the second thing would be to carve out intentional time. So, like, I am the kind of person who's like I want to be spontaneous. I'm gonna carve out two hours in my day to be spontaneous. That's like, <laughs> that's like how I am, y'all. I live my life like uh, on Google. Uh, Google Calendar is like my life. And so, even if it's just you know whether that's in the morning or sporadically throughout the day or at night, I think if you dedicate a, an hour or two to just writing, whether that's you just sitting there and just looking at a blank screen for a little bit. And that's, I think is important uh, for that. And then for two, and I think it depends on what kind of book you're writing, but uh, with the book I was writing uh, with you, Grow Girl, um, I was able to make it collaborative. Um, so if you are able to bring some other folks out, able to bring my photographer um, into it, uh, who's a good friend of mine. Um, my editor and me would go back and forth and I'm like, girl, I don't know what I'm doing. Does this sound right? What's good? All right. Great. Um, my agent, love uh, Cindy, who loves Cindy, call her be like, Cindy, girl, I don't know if I can do this. And Cindy, give me that little pep talk. Right. Um, so, you know, as much as self-care is important, I think community care is also because sometimes we can't water ourselves. Right. So I think we have to look for those, um, for those folks. Um, to to feed us the energy that we need so don't feel like you have to do it alone um, yeah and with those tips I think it helped find a balance um, in managing your day-to-day and then you know going to whatever you use to write and you know releasing your magic into the world
2: I love that Um, so for our very last question today, um, what is your best writing and publishing advice that we haven't discussed yet
4: today? I can give mine very simply and easily. It is read, read, read voraciously, read what you write and read outside what you write. Try to dissect books and understand what makes them tick. Learn from all of the other incredible writers out there um, how to do this mad thing that we are, we are all pursuing. Um, and there are teachers everywhere and those teachers are on the pages.
5: Yeah. Honestly, I would, I would have to agree. I'll I'll try to think of something different, but I would have to agree with that. Like reading, yeah. Reading it within your genre and then just playing with other, other things is so crucial to like, just just staying in love too with writing and and mm. books you know because we all love books and so it's important to like maintain that love and cultivate it
6: um so in the line cuz i i definitely think uh reading uh i love that either read voraciously mm, i'm going to i'm going gonna, to use that one love that <laughs> um but simultaneously I would say, do not be afraid to try things that have not been done before. Um, While, you know, there are amazing works out there um, that can inspire, uh, don't let it be, um, make your own pathway, right? Um, Even if you don't know what that pathway is, I mean, there are many different things in life where you have to build and uh, you know, move through the world as you're building your pathway, and so I think that's the same thing with writing. Um, and so I think that's what I, you know, I tried to do with uh, my book is like, what haven't I seen before? How can I make this a little different? How can I put my own spin um, on it? So um, yeah, for the folks listening, what's your what's your spin? Right, what's something about you that you love and cherish that you can put into your pages? um that will be uniquely you
2: well this has been really really fun thank you all again for stopping by to chat about your experiences and listeners don't forget to check out the maid you grow girl and a brush with love details for how you can get your hands on these amazing books will be in the show notes thanks bye everybody
0: For this episode's writing prompt, write a scene in which one of your characters has to make a debut. Maybe it's their first day at a new job, or they're making a pitch to a potential new client, or their creative work is being seen in public for the very first time, like a book release or the opening night of their play or an art exhibit. In true writerly fashion, make it hard on them. What could possibly go wrong? Thanks for listening to Writer's Digest Presents. Join us in April when we'll be back talking about National Poetry Month and WD's Poem a Day Challenge. Until then, you can find book recommendations from the WD staff at bookshop.org slash shop slash writers digest. And visit writersdigest.com for more writing prompts, advice, inspiration, and debut author spotlights. Email us at writers.digest at aimmedia.com to share your feedback.